Turn with me again this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Just a reminder, we're on the Tuesday here of uh, the week of Jesus' crucifixion, and in the midst of several challenges, uh, attempted traps that people are bringing uh, to Jesus, and this is the second of those. So we'll begin with uh, verse 13, read through verse 17 here. So hear God's holy, infallible word. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him in order to trap him in a statement. They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were amazed at him. Maybe you heard the one about the guy who needed a heart transplant, and he was offered the either the heart of a 26-year-old marathon runner uh, or a 62-year-old IRS agent. And he quickly chose the heart of the IRS agent, saying it had never been used. Um, well, it's, it's true in general. People don't like taxes, um, so we make up funny uh, jokes and one-liners, maybe to sort of ease the pain. There's the the old saying that a fool and his money are soon parted, and the rest of us just wait till April 15th, uh, coming up soon. But this passage, Jesus gets a question about taxes, about a tax. Uh, but it's really the, the question and the answers are, are bigger than uh, taxes. The purpose, first of all, is to trap Jesus, to um, convict him, to get rid of him. But in, in Jesus' answer and his teaching here uh, has implications for questions like, what is our relation to civil government? How, what is our attitude towards government? Um, do we owe taxes? Do we owe all obedience? Uh, how does that relate to our allegiance to God? And, and questions like this. So we'll explore some of those questions as well this morning as we look at this. And uh, I want you to see this morning that your ultimate allegiance is to, uh, is to God. Um, but part of that is also submission to and honor of uh, the government that God has put over you. So uh, looking at number one on your uh, outline there in your bulletin, just setting the scene, we're going to ask uh, who and what and why of the question that is put to Jesus here. Uh, so first, the, the who, we're told in verse 13, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to him. Uh, in Luke's account of this, uh, he says that they, he calls them spies. He sent them, that they were sent as spies. And so again, it's not an honest question that Jesus is receiving, a, a humble desire to learn. Um, but they've been plotting, the, the Jewish leaders have been plotting against him for some time now. Uh, we read just after uh, Jesus' cleansing of the temple, um, a, a, a couple days before this, um, that they were trying to destroy him. 
um, if, if you look back there. And that's, that's only intensifying now. And so again, this is the second of four attempts to trap Jesus in what he says, to come up with something they can use against him. So they're not coming to Jesus as students. Uh, they're coming to him more like, uh, more like a police interrogator who is convinced of someone's guilt. And so they're trying to uh, pry something, manipulate something out of their suspect uh, that they can use against him. Uh, and it's evident the top leaders, the Sanhedrin, didn't go themselves here. It says they sent uh, some of the Pharisees and Herodians um, this is a very curious uh, posse sent, again, as Luke says, as spies, maybe sort of undercover. Uh, but the Pharisees and the Herodians would not have a lot in common. Uh, they would be politically and theologically, religiously opposed to each other. Um, and yet they're united in their opposition to Jesus. It's maybe sort of parallel to, you think of our uh, political system, two major parties that are uh, generally at odds with each other and, and on different polls on most issues and most of the time, but there are occasions, a natural disaster or a war or something that, that bring them together, uh, even if to um, just to score political points. But the Herodians, for their part, are um, political followers. Originally, this group of, of Herod the Great, Herod the Great is not living anymore at this point, um, but his, his sons, other Herods, are... Um, their opposition to Jesus would be perhaps his, his preaching against worldliness and preaching his kingdom, God's kingdom, uh, something of a perhaps a threat to the kingdom of the Herods or of Rome. Um, Jesus, just a couple days before, made this royal entrance into Jerusalem. Again, might appear threatening to uh, what they support. Uh, the Pharisees, for their part, we've seen their opposition to Jesus many times. He's preached against their self-righteousness. Uh, their, uh, the way they uh, exercise authority and so on. Um, and Jesus has claimed and exercised authority uh, that's been threatening to them. But both of them uh, have recognized how Jesus has gained considerable influence and have these offenses, and so they're joined together against him. So they, they come first with flattering words in verse 14. Uh, Teacher, we know you are truthful. You defer to no one. You are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth, uh, this, for their part, is dishonest and hypocritical. Um, they're trying to soften Jesus, it seems, um, appearing, maybe trying to appear as his his loyal followers uh, undercover. Uh, maybe there's something parallel here to a, a kid who comes to his parents um, with flattery and offering to do chores and so on, just to soften them up before he tells them about the F he got on, on his chemistry test or something. Uh, so they're, they're coming with, with hypocrisy, but, but this statement in verse 14 is true. It's true of Jesus. Uh, he's not partial. Uh, he, serves, uh, he serves the will of the Father uh, impartially. And, and so perhaps it reflects something they, they know and have recognized about Jesus, um, what, he, what he claims for himself as well. Secondly, uh, what, what is their question? What is their challenge? Their question uh, there in verse 14, uh, put two, what, two, two ways. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? And so they're asking about a specific tax called the, called the poll tax uh, in that time. And this was a hot political issue at the time. It, it wasn't just an issue they, they made up. It would be something that people had differences on. And, and we need to understand a little bit about this tax 
and about the, the coins that, that would be used to pay it and that Jesus uses here uh, to understand it. Uh, this is a tax that was taken by census, uh, by Rome, probably delegated from Rome to the Herods, to local governors, to uh, collect this tax. Um, the Herodians here asking Jesus um, and other supporters and friends of Rome who really enjoyed the political and, and cultural and economic benefits of Rome's rule would not have been so opposed to this tax. I mean, nobody loves paying a tax, but philosophically they wouldn't have been opposed, as opposed to this tax. Uh, most Jews, though, were very resentful of Rome's rule and saw it as uh, an oppression, an occupation um, of, of the promised land. They would point to injustices of Rome and so on. This, this tax, the poll tax, was actually instituted within Jesus' lifetime. Um, when he was a boy in 6 AD, uh, Rome came up with this tax, this particular tax, and there was a revolt among the Jews that had to be put down uh, while Jesus was a boy. Um, and, and so this tax, the poll tax, maybe along with the fact that there were Roman soldiers around and, and other evidences of Romans rule, Rome's rule, but this, this tax might have been the, the most outward expression of Rome's rule and, and sort of the clearest reminder to the Jews uh, that they were under uh, Rome's rule and, and oppression as, as they saw it. Um, it would be paid in, in Roman currency, and so Jesus asks for a Roman coin. He asked for a denarius. A denarius was a Roman coin that was a, a day's pay for a day laborer. Um, and you can you can Google this later. Don't do it right now, but you can Google this later. A, a, a first century Roman denarius. And you'll see uh, what, what Jesus saw and what he was showing to those who are standing there. On one side would be uh, a profile of Caesar, much like some of our coins, coins have, have profiles of past presidents. Um, here, uh, the, the Caesar during this time, the, the Caesars have taken on Julius's name, Julius Caesar, and used as a title now. Uh, so it's Caesar Tiberius uh, at this point. Um, and so if an up-to-date coin, a denarius Jesus is holding, would have uh, Tiberius, uh, his profile on one side, and it would say, uh, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Again, you can see actual um, coins that say this if you look that up. And then on the other side, again, is Caesar, uh, this time sitting or, or standing uh, you see his whole body and dressed in, in priestly robes, and it says Pontifus Maximus on that side, highest priest. And so on the one side, you have a picture of Caesar, priest, son of the divine Augustus. On the other side, Pontifus Maximus, highest priest. And so these coins flaunted the Caesar's claim to divinity and absolute authority in, in the civil realm, in the religious realm, and in fact, those wouldn't have been so, so distinct as we have them in our world today. So then thirdly, uh, why? Why this question? Well, again, it's a, a trap. So here is the trap. that It's will he offend the Herodians or those who support Rome? Will he offend Rome or will he offend the Jews? Uh, will he seem to legitimize the evils of Rome and, and their claims of divinity and, and so on that all the Jews resent? Uh, and in that case, it'd be easy to turn the Jews against him. Uh, or will he appear guilty of, of treason, saying, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't pay this tax. 
Um, again, it's, this question is intended to make him choose, as others have been, between two bad options. Okay? So the main problem with this question, it's, it's not a bad question. Um, there are good questions about our, what we owe to civil government. Um, but the main problem with the question is it's overly simplistic. It doesn't reflect the complexity of the issue. Um, it doesn't reflect the complexity of the necessary answer. Uh, we see this sometimes in, in politics or uh, in cable news or some, when someone's being interviewed and they're being pressed, just give me a yes or no, just give me a yes or no. And generally, it's not a question that can be answered simply with a yes or no. Um, it, it needs more nuance. It's, it's a trap pushing someone just to say yes or no. Should we pay the tax or should we not pay the tax? Um, and we'll see in Jesus' answer, he doesn't fall prey to that. He gives a wise, uh, even as short as it is, uh, a nuanced answer, fully aware of their motives. But I think there's a, a, a tangential lesson and application in this for us that we need to beware always of overly simplistic questions or answers or issues as they're posed. Um, again, often things are posed like that in society to make a point or to make other people look stupid um, or, or to win an argument or to trip someone up. Um, we see that again in politics and sort of red team versus blue team, good team, good guys versus bad guys over simplification of things or um, sometimes questions like this are posed to Christians uh, as, as a trap. I've, uh, for example, uh, this is a question I've heard uh, multiple times posed. Does your church welcome homosexuals? <coughs> Not a bad question necessarily at root, but it's that, it, it, that kind of question is meant as a trap. Give me a yes or no. Do you welcome? Are you welcoming? Um, at least depending on who's asking and what motives, that, that question cannot be answered with a simple yes or no without careful definition and nuance and so on. So that, that's the kind of questions being posed. So the, the world won't ultimately accept the truth of, of God, but as Christians we ought to carefully listen and uh, listen to issues that are presented and, and dig into the complexities of life and not settle for oversimple questions and answers and accusations and so on. Well, that sets the stage then for Jesus' wise answer. So let's look at this in, in two parts. Uh, first, number two on your outline. Uh, Jesus answers in, in verse 15, uh, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, uh, that are Caesar's. Um, I think in some sense we could say Jesus' basic answer is yes. Should we pay this tax? His, his basic answer is yes, but it's a, it's a qualified and a nuanced answer as we'll, as we'll see. But, but I want to look first at the yes part of the answer. Uh, he's affirming Caesar is the ruler. He's your ruler. You are to submit to him. That, and that's the clear teaching of the rest of Scripture. Uh, Jesus is simply reflecting the clear teaching of the rest of Scripture. It's most clearly laid out in Romans 13. Here's... Uh, some of what Paul says at the beginning of Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist, exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, 
And those who resist will incur judgment. For he is the servant of God. For because of this, Paul says, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Uh, and, and Jesus is affirming here, Caesar is appointed by God. He's God's servant, whether he knows that or not. And he, Tiberius Caesar does not know or acknowledge the true God. Um, but he's appointed by God to protect, to serve, to rule, to keep peace, and so on. Uh, the, the men's group has been studying 1 Peter. In uh, 1 Peter 2, a few weeks ago, we, we came to these verses. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, for this is the will of God. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom, though, as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So again, it's clear in the scriptures, human governments are appointed by God. They are to be obeyed. Taxes are to be paid. Um, that's not optional for Christians. It's, it's in fact part of our submitting to God, is submitting to those in authority, uh, just as children submit to, to parents, employees, to bosses, and, and so on. But I want you to note that Jesus subtly, even what he says about Caesar here, he subtly but clearly assumes that there's a limit to Caesar's and, and to any government's power. He assumes a limit. He says, render to Caesar... What? The things that are Caesar's. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give, render is give back, pay what's owed. The things that are Caesar's. There, there's always a limit to the reach of Caesar's power, to, to a civil government's power. And so it's also an important biblical principle that God gives particular responsibility, gives particular authority uh, within various institutions in society. So the state is one of those. The government is one of those. The, the church is one of those. It has particular responsibility and authority within the, the sphere of the church. The family is another that we might talk about. Um, the king or the government has its own sphere of authority and responsibility. Um, it does not have uh, all of the, that, that the, the parents have as a role in their family. Right? It may not claim uh, some of those roles. Um, the, the state does not have spiritual authority in the church, in the sphere of the church. Uh, the state can't take to itself uh, prerogatives of God. Um, worship, for example. Um, so Jesus implies Caesar is to be given the things that are rightfully his, but not necessarily anything that he might ask for. Um, we'll come back to this in a little bit, but, but Acts, in Acts 5, um, Peter and the other apostles reflect this limit when they are arrested and threatened for preaching the gospel. And how does Peter respond? We must obey God rather than men. Right? Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. So we owe obedience and taxes, uh, yes, but there is a God-given sphere of, of sovereignty even for the state. So... Uh, but we owe submission nonetheless to, to our government. And I would suggest that Jesus probably comes off a little harder. You think of the two groups that are coming to him, the Pharisees, Jews, and the Herodians. Probably comes off a little harder on the Jews, maybe what they would hope to hear, in saying, yes, 
you have to pay the tax. Um, the tax must be paid. Um, sin doesn't remove the, the legitimacy of a ruler. And the Jews could point to problems with Rome and, and injustices and so on, but sin doesn't remove the legitimacy of the authority of a parent in the home. Right? Now, we could talk about, and it's important, we, we, this is beyond our scope today, we could talk about extreme limits to that. Right? I'm not suggesting for a moment that there aren't extreme limits that, that we meet when we talk about abuse of power and, and so on. Um, but my point is simply that you may not agree with your government, you may not like your government, but they're still God's servants and you owe obedience for your good, for conscience sake, as the scriptures say, uh, for the honor of God. Tiberius Caesar, again, was not a godly man. Um, and yet Jesus says he's owed honor and obedience and, and taxes specifically. Uh, Paul, in writing Romans 13, was that this, this Caesar in his mind was Nero. Um, Again, not a, not a good man. Persecuted the church. Jesus says, he is God's servant. And, and you pay taxes and, and you submit to him. Um, we wrestle with difficult questions today relative to our, uh, our government. Uh, you know, is it lawful, is it biblical to pay taxes to a government that subsidizes abortions through Planned Parenthood? As our government does. Uh, that's, that's a difficult and a uh, excruciating question, but but yes, we we all do pay our taxes. I trust, um, and and rightly so. Even though we stand vehemently opposed to certain practices of our government, perhaps uh, we we rightly um, submit to our government. Um, we're called not only to submit but to pray for uh, those who rule over us. And so I just and encourage you this morning, even in light of many big problems and concerns with government or particular people in office um, uh, in our government, uh, and also in light of the fact, the, the way that many people, many, many Christians even, speak with vitriol about our rulers, uh, to remember the command to pray for your government, to honor those who rule over you, um, to remember that many others, most others in world history, um, and many others still in the world today uh, have had it far worse, um, way more corruption and, and, and abuse than, than we ex experience. God has been and continues to be merciful to us in many ways, through our, uh, even through our secular uh, godless government. Um, maybe one of the reasons we don't think as clearly sometimes about this, uh, our submission and honor of our government as, as we should, maybe our... Our biography as a nation, uh, our, the history of, of the United States. Um, think of the American Revolution, for example. Um, the colonies here on the East Coast had a civil government over them. Romans 13, appointed by God uh, for their good, right? King George, and Parliament, Parliament of England. Um, one of the main reasons cited for revolution was taxation without representation. Right. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker. It says, you know, taxation with representation isn't so hot either. Um, but that, that, was the kind of, um, that was the kind of concern cited that led to taking up arms and killing people. Right? Uh, it poses some striking contrast to our, our passage to Romans 13, 
Um, I mean, taxation without representation is the furthest thing from the minds of, of those that, that the New Testament is writing to. I mean, that, that wasn't even a known concept. And yet Paul, Peter, Jesus say, you owe obedience to your rulers. Um, the Caesars were thoroughly pagan, were persecuting the church. Uh, and yet there was a, a call to, to submission. So um, something to reflect on, uh, at least. Um, our, our confession uh, helpfully summarizes Westminster Confession, chapter 23. Uh, summarize the teaching of Scripture. This is just part of one paragraph here. It says, It's the duty of people to pray for magistrates, to honor their persons, to pay them tribute and other dues, to obey their lawful commands, and to be subject to their authority for conscience sake. Infidelity or difference in religion does not make void the magistrate's just and legal authority, nor does it free the people from their due obedience to them. Uh, and then our, our testimony, the RPCNA testimony, also comments uh, this, says a civil government, though guilty of many sins, still has authority insofar as it furthers some of the scriptural ends of civil government. Well, that's a, a helpfully balanced statement there. It re- reflects, um, like Jesus, there's, there's an assumed limit um, to, to a government's legitimacy and authority, but it's, it's very hard to define uh, where, where that line is. Um, but I, you know, I, I would suggest we're, we're nowhere near that, given the contrast to uh, the, the political situation in the New Testament. But uh, again, I just want to ask you, challenge us this morning, do you submit to, do you pray for, do you honor those in authority over you? Uh, even if you rightly don't like what they're doing, uh, do you submit to God uh, in that way? Well, we can't understand these these first words of Jesus without the others. So look at um, the second half of Jesus' answer and, and point number three on your outline there. Verse 17, again, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. These are our parallel statements. Render, give back. Uh, it means basically the same thing. What, what does it mean to render to God the things that are God's? As Caesar was to be given his due within his sphere, so God is to be given his in his sphere. What, what does that mean? What does that include? Well, everything. Right? There's, there's nothing excluded uh, if we're talking about God. Jesus is not saying that Caesar owns some things and God owns other things and you're to give what's due in this area and you're to give what's due in that area. Uh, God owns all and is sovereign over all. Uh, all governments are to serve under God by His will for His glory. I noted before, it's, it's very tricky, it's debatable exactly what the limits to a government's authority are. What, what exactly is their legitimate uh, sphere? Um, it may be a little easier to define what a government's legitimate role and sphere is when, when they cross that line, when they're taking over the role of, the, of, of parents or of the church where they shouldn't be. Um, but, but when does a government cross the line into illegitimacy such that Citizens don't have to submit or don't have to obey. That's that's a really difficult um, um, question. Uh, Christians debate, for example, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer 
And you know, he, he was a, a Christian theologian in Germany during World War II who took part in plots to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Um, was, was that a legitimate role in rebellion for, for a Christian? It, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, question. Um, but one biblical principle we can state clearly is that citizen submission is never to contradict um, submission to God. Right? And this comes back to Acts chapter 5 and, and Peter's statement. Uh, again, our, our testimony helpfully summarizes in this way. No person, however, is required by God to obey civil authority when such authority demands that the citizen do that which is clearly contrary to the law of God. In such cases, the duty of Christians is to obey God rather than men. Uh, essentially quoting uh, Peter there. Um, so in other words, Caesar could demand high taxes, uh, painfully high taxes, but if Caesar demands worship, the Christian must refuse. Always, every time, as, as Christians did and even lost their lives and livelihoods for that. Um, so the, the giving to God, render to God, is constant. It's in everything. It's, it's your whole self. Again, Jesus used a, a denarius to make the point about what they owed to Caesar. Right? It was give to Caesar what was Caesar's. And this is an example of that. Why? Because it has his picture on it. Right? It has his image, his likeness. Well, what might Jesus have in mind that has God's image on it? Oh, mankind, right? All of us, you and me. You and I have God's image on us. Um, so it's, it's like he's saying, you know, sure, give these temporal little coins to Caesar, but give yourselves to your Creator in all of life, in everything. Um, to the Pharisees, he was essentially saying, you're, you're wrong to completely resent the ruler that God has placed over you. Um, and to the Herodians, he's saying, you serve Herod in Rome, but you'd better turn and serve the king of kings with all of your life and everything that you are. And, and the same is true for you. You and I are made in God's image. Give yourself to him. Uh, in Romans 12, Paul wrote, I appeal to you, brothers, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present your bodies, your whole selves to him. 1 Corinthians 6, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, that's really the, the point that Jesus is making here. I want to just close by making the point that this is, is not only a command, it's not only a challenge to us this morning, but it's also our comfort that as we uh, serve a government, we serve rulers, even those who, who ignore God and, and do wrong at times, make foolish decisions, they are under God. Right? They're, they're ruling only so long as he allows uh, for his purposes and uh, for the good of those who love him. And our ultimate allegiance is not to them, but is to uh, King Jesus, who uh, will never fail us, who will rule forever with righteousness. So let that be our comfort as well. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you again uh, for your clear and true word that gives us light and hope that challenges and redirects us. I pray that you would give us reflection on these uh, truths that we've considered this morning. Um, our uh, 
submission to you in submitting to uh, those who you've put in authority. Uh, Lord, let us be uh, an example that, that points to you um, in that. Uh, even more than that, let us, let us give ourselves to God, render to God uh, our entire lives. Uh, we pray that you would glorify yourself uh, in and through us uh, as we uh, consider that today and this week and in coming weeks. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.